listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast with our senior pastor, Earl Glisson. We're excited to let you know that all five of our current titles in the Anchor Faith Library are now available on ebook. This includes The Forest, Cows, Crows, and Constellations, and Vision Beyond Sight by Pastor Earl, Cool of the Day by Pastor Marcy, and Lift the Room by Pastor Marcus. You can find any of these ebooks on Amazon Kindle, the Apple Bookstore, or Nook by Barnes & Noble. When you purchase, we'd love if you would leave a review on the books. You sharing about the impact that God has made in your life will continue to allow us to advance the vision God has given us to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. Now, without further ado, enjoy this week's message. Well, the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. I'm so excited about this uh, uh, series uh, that we're in right now. It's a passion of mine. It's um, so awesome that we can get into this, uh, this time of the Word together. And um, so get over into Ephesians chapter 5. The Lord gave me this in worship last uh, week, and I just feel like probably need to keep bringing this particular passage of Scripture up as we continue in this context of, uh, of Scripture. It says, husband, love your wives just as Christ." Also, what? Loved what? Who's he love? Who's he love? He loves the church. Notice it didn't say he loved you, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. I'm not saying that. But I think it's very important that we begin to get some perspective here because a lot of times um, we are not looking from the right vantage point because sometimes we can say something and still miss something. Okay? So... We could say this, God is about people. Well, yes, he is, only if you look through the lens of vision. Because if you only say God is about people, then you could imply that God doesn't have a purpose. But God has a purpose that he wants people to be a part of, and if the people aren't a part of the purpose, then there's going to be a problem with those people. Why do I say this? I talked to our vision partnership yesterday, and I said, listen, God's about vision. God told Moses, he said, uh, here's what I need you to do. I want you to go into Egypt. I want you to deliver my people. I want you to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm taking them to the promised land. I'll deliver them out of bondage, and I'll get them into a land flowing with milk and honey. That was his what? Purpose. He said, I want you to deliver my, my people. Okay? Well, Moses went in delivered the people, got across the Red Sea, got into the wilderness. But notice, when they got to the um, promised land, because it was God's vision to take them there, that was the reason why he took them out of a place to take them into a place. Because 10 of the tribe leaders rebelled and then caused all of their tribes to rebel also, God let um, a whole generation in the next 40 years die in the wilderness and delayed the vision. But did he get into the promised land? See, the vision lived on even though some people didn't make it. So when it says Jesus loves the church, the church includes people. But you need to make sure you're connected with the church. You cannot live your way with God. You must live God's way with him. And Jesus says he loves the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. That's probably why we have so many marital problems is because people are loving their wives like they want to instead of loving their wives like Christ loves the church. 
But let's go back to Ephesians, bring that back up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, and it says this, or 25, it says, Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So here Jesus clearly lets us know what his church looks like. Okay? He's going to sanctify her. She's going to be set apart. She's going to look different than the world. I said she's going to look different than the world. Okay? She's going to be cleansed, which means she's not going to be dirty. She's not going to have dirty uh, uh, attributes, attitudes. She's not going to bring the world into her. Okay? She's going to be washed with the water of the word, which means Jesus is going to have people preaching the word at his church. Not other stuff, not opinions, you know, not Facebook posts, stuff like that. You understand? Okay. Then he says he's going to come back for who? The church, he's going to present himself the church in all her glory, and she's going to have no spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. She'd be holy and blameless. Amen. So we ought to aspire to be a part of that church. Amen. Amen. We ought to aspire to be a part of the church. And you say, well, we are the church. Well, that's fine. We are the church. So are you without spot, wrinkle? Are you holy and blameless? Are you keeping yourself sanctified? Are you keeping yourself cleansed by the washing of the water with the word? Are you allowing this to happen in your life, or are you just living life any way you want to? Because everybody would say, well, you know, the church is not a building. I get it. Uh, it's not a building, per se. It's a collection of people uh, assembling together. We'll see this. But again, the people that are assembling are to live a certain way that they've been recreated in the likeness of. Right. Hallelujah. You cannot live a life separated and different than Jesus Christ himself. Amen. If Jesus lived away, then we're expected to live away. Right. Well, turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13 to 17, it says it this way. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the what? Christ. Now, you got to understand what Christ is. Christ is the Greek word equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. So it's as if he said, you are the Messiah. Well, again, who is the Messiah or what's the Messiah? What does that mean? Well, literally, when you um, define these two words, it means the anointed one and his anointing. But again, the anointed one and his anointing, according to this nation, they all knew that that meant this is the one that has been anointed of God to rule over our nation as king. And they were waiting for the Messiah, the king who would be anointed, who would come and deliver Israel and set up his kingdom, and his kingdom would have no end. So when he says, you are the Christ, he did not recognize his, um, let's put it, his religion. He recognized his government. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this you, you, but my father who is in heaven. So what's the father in heaven revealing about the son? That he's the Christ. The father is revealing the king has come. That's what the father reveals. The king has come. 
The one who holds authority, the one who's seated on the throne, the one who has the final word, the one who's taken back what the first Adam lost, he has reestablished the dominion that I gave to man. Jesus is the king. He's come, and he's to deliver you from all of your oppression. Hallelujah. It's not that Jesus came just to die for your sins, so when you die, you go to heaven. No, the king has come. And his government or his kingdom is now in operation. Spiritually speaking, it's flowing really well. Physically speaking, it will manifest even on the planet. Hallelujah. All right? So, at this point, though, I, God showed me this last night. I thought, man, this is so good, Lord. I appreciate you. Because, you know, we go through these scriptures. I've preached multiple messages on the church, but I've never brought it from this angle before, and I think this is really awesome. Notice what Jesus said in context now when he talks about that you're the Christ, okay? You're the Christ, and we're going to get to the church here in a minute, the next verse, because, again, this is in context of church. He says to them, who do people say that I am? Do you know what? People are trying to tell us what the church is and who the church is. I mean, I am blown away when I watch news and people start wanting to quote scripture and try to tell me how a Christian is supposed to live. <laughs> Everybody is not short of opinions on how the church is supposed to look, how they're supposed to behave, how they're supposed to act. And this is something that was in Jesus' day. He himself says, who do people say I am? Well, what did they say? They said he was John the Baptist. They said he was Elijah. They said he was Jeremiah. I thought that was interesting. You know, John the Baptist preached repentance yes. right. and the resurrection. Right. You know, there are churches that just preach repentance and resurrection only. Interesting. Elijah, actually, he confronted religion and worked miracles. Jeremiah, he spoke on the wrath of God because of disobedience. <laughs> yeah, yes, he did. Do you notice there are people that they decide how they want the church to be? And I'm amazed that people will come to us, if you don't watch out, and say, try to tell you what kind of church you're, you are in. But Jesus takes it a step further and he says, but who do you say I am? Amen. Now notice Jesus, when Peter says you are the Christ, he said that's what we needed to know. Because if you'll know I'm the Christ then repentance and resurrection is part of being the Christ. If you know I'm the Christ, then you'll know uh, confronting religion and the working of miracles is just a part of the Christ. If you'll know the Christ, then you'll know that the wrath of God will come upon the disobedience. You don't have to specialize in one area if you'll be, understand that the Christ is what I, we're asking you to get revelation of, then... We can have the next conversation, verse 18, and he says, in context now, that the Father has revealed this to you, and he says, and I also say to you, say to you,
Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, notice he's not going to build his church on John the Baptist. He's not building his church on Elijah. Jeremiah, one of the prophets, all of those prophets had a piece of the picture. The big picture is the Christ. The king and his kingdom. He says, now that's where I'll build my church. It's upon this revelation that the church will be established. Hallelujah. And man, did Jesus preach it. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like that. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is like this. Yes. Amen? Amen? The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, he said, is like this. He goes on and says, and the gates of Hades or hell uh, will not overpower it. See, when the church has revelation that he's the Christ, not just that he forgave them of their sins, not that he can work miracles, not that, you know, he, we have a personal relationship with him, not a religious relationship with him. Not that he is going to deal with sin and all who reject him are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Know that he's the Christ. When the church gets the revelation of the Christ and operates that way, then the gates of hell can't overpower it. Which means then the, the, the powers of darkness cannot overpower the church, and the church includes people. Which means then if you are a member of the church that has the revelation, he's the Christ, then the, the powers of darkness can't overpower you ever again. You won't be running around saying, well, the devil's after me. Oh, life's hard. You'll be like, who are you? coming against God's anointed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You're uncircumcised. I'm in covenant with God. Amen. So let's look at this phrase upon this rock this morning. Just going to look at this particular phrase because, you know, we don't have time to do all that we can. I'm, we're taking some time to go through this. We want to realize that Jesus, we saw this um, when we ministered a couple weeks ago, that Jesus uh, he is the pioneer of church pioneering. And when he launched his church, he told his disciples, he said, now listen, I'm going to build my church, but we're seeing here. And when he launched that church, he launched it out of a prayer meeting. So prayer was very powerful. We ought to pray more. We ought to be passionate about prayer. We shouldn't run off after first service and go get a latte and not come back and do corporate prayer. Because the power of God's launched out of prayer, not out of programs. Not out of statistics and demographics, but out of prayer. Yes. And he says, listen, I'm going to bring the greatest institution to the world. Yes. And I'm going to do it through prayer. And I'm going to make sure power's in it. Because I don't even want you to talk about me till the power comes. Come Hallelujah. So Jesus knows how to build this thing. Jesus is personally going to build it. We'll see it here in a minute. But he says, this is the revelation by which my church is built, and that is, I am the Christ. So this phrase, upon this rock, means the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So we see over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, this is the amplified uh, version. It says, come, 
And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. For, for, thus it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen, honored, precious, what? Chief cornerstone. And he who believes in him, who adheres to, clean, uh, trusts in, and relies on, will never be disappointed or put to shame. Well, what did he say? He said, upon this revelation that I'm the Christ, upon this rock, this revelation that I'm the Christ, the gates of hell can't overpower it. Okay, let's go on. To you, then, who believe, who adhere to, trust in, and rely on, it is the preciousness for, but for those who disbelieve, it is true, the very stone which the builders rejected has become the, the main cornerstone and a stone that will cause stumbling and a rock that will give men offense. They stumble because they disobey and disbelieve God's word as those who reject him were destined, appointed to do. Let's go on. But you are what? Now listen, we're talking in context to a revelation of the church. And when he's talking about the church, he begins to talk about a chosen race. A race of people. We talk about Americans. We talk about Nicaraguans. We talk about Russians and China, uh, uh, those that are of the uh, nation of Chinese, the Chinese nation. So you see them as a, a, a race of people. Here, God has a people coming. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated what? Nation. Why? Because he's the Christ. He's the king of his citizens. It goes on and says, God's own purchase special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and displays the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. Once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received what? Mercy. So Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock. He is the very, and a cornerstone back in the day when they did, uh, they built buildings, they found, they had to find this build, this particular cornerstone had to be the exact measurement. It had to be exactly lined up. It had to be exactly uh, uh, perfect in its angle because the rest of the building would be built off of this. And if it was off in any way, then the building would get off and the building's integrity and its ability to stand would be um, compromised. But once the cornerstone was set perfect and its angles were perfect, then anything built off it You hear what I'm saying? So Jesus says, when the church is built off the revelation that I'm the king, then everything would be set right. I said everything would be set right. If you're off a little bit with this, then guess what? Your life can crumble. Because he tells us there's a man who builds his house on the rock and a man who builds his house on the sand. And storms come to both. You think that the man that builds his house on the sand doesn't know God. I'm telling you, a man who builds his house on the sand is someone who can know God, but only know portions of God and does not have the revelation that he's the Christ. Because when you know he's the king, then you know that it has to be as the king says. And when any trial and tribulation comes my way, it cannot take me out 
Hallelujah. Can we choose to believe we are who God says we are? All right, let's go on then. I won't say any more till I prove it in Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 18, and then we'll drop down to verse 24. Now, again, let's get context here. Jesus says, who do people say I am? Don't let people tell me who, don't let others tell you who I am. You need to have your own revelation of who I am. Don't let people tell you about your church and how your church is supposed to be, how it's supposed to act. You tell them who you are. All right? And when you know it, you'll know it's in connection that he's the Christ and Jesus is building his church and he's the cornerstone. He says this, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I love that. I said, I love that. In context, you are in a government with a ruler called the prince of the power of the air. His name's Satan. He's the devil, the father of lies, and he had you in bondage. But Jesus delivered you out of that domain or that authority or that power or the King James says that kingdom and brought you over into his kingdom. I said he brought you into his kingdom. And you don't get to his kingdom when you're in heaven. You're in his kingdom now. (laughs) All right. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. See, this is salvation. He is the image of this invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven, in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones. Thrones are in kingdoms, not in religions. Whether thrones or demeans or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, created through him and for him. He is before all things. Look at this, verse 18. This is powerful stuff, guys. Look what it says here. He is also head of the body, the church. So the church is the body. The church is the body. And who's the head? Jesus is. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Drop down to verse 24. Verse 24 says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh. I do not share on behalf of his body, which is the church. So what's the church? His body. And Jesus is the head. (laughs) Are you with me? Okay. Ephesians chapter one. So the church is his body. I said the church is his body. I said the church is his body. Okay, and Jesus is the head. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now get context here. In Colossians, we saw that Jesus says, I'm going to transfer you out of one kingdom and get you into another kingdom of which I'm the head and you're my body. That's the church. So if I transfer you out of one kingdom into another kingdom where I'm the king and I have the head and you're my body, so if I'm the king of this kingdom and you're the body uh, of me and I'm the head and if my head's a king, then my body must be... Okay. If, If I transferred you out of the domain of darkness and brought you into the kingdom, once you got born again, then I brought you into a kingdom of which I am seated on a throne. I am the head of that kingdom who happens to be a king and my body then must be a king also. How can the church not reign as Christ reigns? 
how can we not have a reigning body in the earth when the head is reigning? How could the church look beat down, broke down, barely getting along, you know, just holding on and hoping and waiting for that day to get to heaven when the Lord says, I have already raised you up and seated you in heavenly places. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. I am the head of this thing. I reign, so you reign. Then he says this again. Listen, this is why Paul's praying. You need to get some revelation. Don't be walking around advertising that the church I'm building is a bunch of sorry sinners saved by grace. Don't be advertising that. No, you advertise that you are the child of a king and that you have been raised up and seated with him and the authority that I have as the head, you have as the body. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of, it, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Yes. These are in accordance with the working of the strength and his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the, at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, in this age, in this age, but also the one to come. See, the church is too busy waiting for the one to come in order to act like somebody when he says, I'm that way now. By faith. We reign now. By faith, we trust that the head of the church can get to his body the same reigning power and dominion and that we don't have to wait on his return. He's already returned through us. He is with us. He is in us. And he's given us the same spirit that raised him out of the grave. Death could not hold him down, so death can't hold you down. Wow. And it says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet. What? Feet. What? Feet. Where are the feet located? In the body. My foot's not on the side of my head. He's letting us know. I reign, and I reign all the way to the bottom of my body. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. And when you break this down, that means it is so far beneath its feet that it doesn't even touch your feet. It's not like it's right there. I mean, it's so far below you. But you have to see it by faith. Instead of seeing yourself as this sorry, no good maggot that didn't deserve all that God gave you, and you're just excited to get in, he's like, my gosh, man, you're right. You are sorry, no good maggot. You didn't deserve to be here. I could have rightly judged you and sent you to the lake of fire, which is the second death. But in my mercy, I called you out of darkness, and I cleaned you up. I made you a new creature in Christ. I have made you royalty. I've called you to sit in heavenly places with me. I've called you to rise up and you are to demonstrate that reigning power in the earth while you're there Woo, hallelujah amen the only problem I have in life is figuring out what to wear 
It's my biggest problem is what am I going to wear? Because <laughs> I don't have problems other than that. Seriously. Because anything else, I'm reigning over. I reign over it. I'm reigning in Christ. He put the, all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his. What is it? It's his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. How in the world can you be attached to the head and, have, and not reign? Now listen, I don't know who told you that the church is holding on till Jesus comes. But the Bible clearly lets us know that his church reigns in this life and is above all principality and powers and dominions and thrones, anything. Anything that has set itself up is all under the name of Jesus and it's all subject to him, not only his head, but also his body. That's what the Bible says. But religion has tried to teach us other stuff, trying to tell us what the church should look like and how it should perform and how it should do its duties and how it's supposed to organize and how it's supposed to do things. When Jesus Christ says, no, 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 I'm building my church. I know what it looks like. And the ones that are following me, this is how they're going to act. This is how they'll live. So again, a lot of times we we'll say, well, I, I believe that they're a church too. You know what? The only evidence that I have of what his church looks like is in scripture. And if it isn't look like that, then I won't call it church. I'm not trying to compare. I'm trying, I am believing that I am exactly what God said I am. Now, here's the thing. In the head are our eyes so we can see, our ears so we can hear, our nose so we can smell. And you need to smell. Because sometimes you'll be like, something stinks. Right? Thank God for smelling. Okay? I mean, it's necessary. Because it gets you out of trouble a lot of times. Something's burning. You can be in your house and all, something's burning. And because you can smell, it warns you, alerts you, and you're able to go and respond to something. Because if you couldn't smell it, your whole house could burn down before you know it. Because sometimes we can't see, but we can smell or discern before we ever see it. But that's in the head. The mouth, so we can speak or taste. Right? And then we can also feel with our face. Our face has the capacity to feel or touch. So we could say it this way, all five senses are contained in the head. But in the body, the only sense is touch. The body can't see without the head. The body can't hear without the head. The body can't speak or taste without the head. The body can't smell without the head. The body can't speak. Come on, are you with me? Cannot do it without the head. And the head is the Christ. The head is the Christ. So if the head isn't the revelation of the Christ, then 
Are you in his church where he is head? See, the head communicates with you about what you're feeling. Again, if I blindfolded you, closed off your nose, your ears and stuff, I could put something in front of you and you could touch it and have a hard time trying to figure it out. Because, you know, there are some things that have the same kind of consistency. <laughs> same kind of consistency. If you don't know it, you could be touching something you shouldn't be touching. Because if you could have smelled it, you'd have said, I never would have touched that. If I could have smelled it, I never would have put it in my mouth. Are you with me? Some of us won't touch and won't taste something that's good for us because, again, fear. How many things, when you lose all these senses and all you can do is touch, can create fear in you? And the body, the head has all of it. It's not limited to just one sense. See, you must know what the head wants in order, to, in order uh, for the body to function. I mean, it's from the head that I'm even moving around. Now, again, things are happening in my body that's without my actual recollection, which means I'm not consciously saying, now, I want you to move your hands, whatever I'm doing with my hands, and I want you to walk. I mean, I'm not even consciously talking to myself inside about all the movement that my body's doing. Nor am I saying, heart, pump right now. Again, pump. Come. Okay, come on, digestive system. Okay, stomach, break down. Okay, you know, uh, do you feel? I'm not talking to my, but my head is talking and unseen. The, the uh, places, it is sending things through my body right now and causing it to move and function in my skeletal system and my um, uh, muscles system and, and my circulatory system is in perfect harmony causing me to do all these things and I can talk at the same time and do it. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Cut my head off. There's no more movement. You understand? You can have a body without the head. But eventually it's going to stink. And that's why a lot of times people don't like going to church because they think church stinks. <laughs> Man, we need to stay connected to the head. See, it's hard to be a church if you're not listening to the head. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he's the head. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. We know this, but it bears repeating. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Who is this child? What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. A child is born, a son is given because the son's always existed. That's why the son's not born, he's given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But notice what the child, the son, brings. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Shoulders are located where? In the body. I said in the body. It's in the body, the government, not religion. The Christ is bringing the kingdom by which if we'll have revelation that the Christ is the king, then we in the body can come and assemble in the church, which happens to be his embassy because we are ambassadors for Christ. And ambassadors 
go and collect at an embassy in foreign territory from the home country. The king is in heaven. I said the king's in heaven. And he's left his body in the earth, in this territory. That's um, uh, the majority of the earth is not functioning as he designed. So he has these embassies all over the place within the planet, letting them know there is another government. There is a way that this government operates. I have ambassadors that reflect my nature. I have citizens. I have a, a group of people that are a holy nation, a chosen race, a royal priesthood that will let you know that my kingdom is alive, my kingdom is functioning, and my kingdom will soon return physically. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there'll be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Thrones are in kingdoms, not in religions. To establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. The zeal for, from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What is the Christ accomplishing? He's accomplishing that. Here's what he did. He came as a suffering servant because he knew that my nation will reject me as king. They had a different perspective. But I came not just for my nation, because I came for other nations. So my nation's rejected me. That's okay. I'll come back as king. But while I'm here, I am king, and I'm going to open up a whole nother group of people. The whole world can get into this nation. And I'm going to ascend, and I'm going to sit on the throne, and I'm going to send my spirit, and my spirit is going to go and bring people out of captivity. Yes. He's going to deliver them from an old, uh, uh, a corrupt kingdom and get them into my kingdom, yes. of which I'll reign here, and they'll reign with me in this age. Yes. And they will demonstrate my kingdom because my nation that I was in covenant with based upon Abraham has rejected me and I'll use the other people to draw them back to myself. This is the revelation that Jesus builds his church. So his church must, that is the people who participate and call themselves a part of his body, must reign. We must be reigning. We must have a, an existence to where we reign in life because that's what the head does. I said, that's what the head does. That's what the head does. You say, well, I don't feel like a king. I don't care how you feel. You are one. I don't feel very royal. Doesn't matter. You are one. This is why you must change your thinking. I don't feel like royalty. You are royalty. That's why you need to change your thinking. And you can't look at the world's royalty. You must look to the word to understand who you are and that you have been raised up. And there's no attack. There's no weapon formed against the church. No weapon formed against the church can prosper. Why? Because his church that he builds has the revelation he's the king. And he reigns. And if the head reigns, the body reigns. And it doesn't matter. Jesus said, don't worry about it, man. Trials and tribulations are going to come. Just laugh. Just laugh. Be of good cheer. I reign, you reign. I reign, you reign. 
I don't know what you're going through today, but you reign. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you reign. I don't know how hard press the enemy or circumstances of life are, are pressing down on you. You need to, by faith, say, I reign over this because the king reigns over this. All I need to know is what the king says about what I'm going through, and I will overcome because I can't be beat down. I can't be taken out. I can't be left in this position because the head is above and his body is above and everything else is subject to us because we reign. And this is what the church looks like. And I'm telling you, if the church would reign in everything, then we wouldn't have to beg people to come. When you reign over your finance, reign over your sickness and disease, reign over your emotions, reign over uh, your relationships, reign over your workplace, reign over every circumstance that ever comes your way, I'm telling you right now, people will run to you and say, I got to do what you do. I got to be where you're at. Because you always win. I can't help it because I'm attached to the winner. <laughs> I'm attached to the winner. Christ won. He's never been defeated. He's the head and I'm the body. That's not arrogance. That's who you are. It's pride to say you're less than the head. It's pride for you to take on a different position than the position Christ told you you were. I have raised you up and seated you in heavenly places. I am the head. You are my body. The church now reign. And let's reign in life. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we're going to raise up and reign because you've already been raised up. You are raised up and we are raised up with you. This church isn't trying to figure out how to. We just talk to the king and he tells us because we have the revelation Jesus is the king. He's the king of the kingdom. And the king came and died for the, the sins of the world. He laid down his life so that he could restore the dominion back to man. He has given us his kingdom. This is why he told us to pray. Pray to our father, your dad, my dad, that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have this revelation that his kingdom cannot be stopped. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. No weapon formed against it can prosper. Prosper, Because that's the church I'm building. It's upon the revelation that I am the king. I'm the king. I'm the king. And I reign forevermore. And if I reign, you reign. 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 Because death can't hold you down when Christ is king of your life. No separation, nothing that could try to stop you and pull you away from God could reign in your life because you reign over it. Death has been defeated in your life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.